Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. It's true, people. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. I interview with R.L. Stein, Goosebumps Guy. It's still up there. Perfect interview for, well, maybe not perfect, but a good one for October. But, but, but uh, as it ends, as October ends and November begins, I will be putting up an interview with uh, science fiction and fantasy writer Kat Rambo. That's another good one. So look forward to that in November. In November. And we are funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers all the way from pen to publication since 1955. Yes, they have. And, uh, well, you can join the PNWA if you go over to pnwa.org. It's good. They have these monthly meetings, talk about the business of writing, the world of writing, the craft of writing. And if you can't make, if you can't make it to one of those meetings, if you don't live in the Pacific Northwest, don't worry. Don't worry about it. You can go on the Internet, whether you're in Zimbabwe or Timbuktu or Boise. It doesn't matter. And you can check it out there. So, PNWA.org. That's where you want to go. Sign up for the PNWA. Ah, let's see. This week, this is the week. This is it's uh, as of this. It's October 23rd, the 25th. I'll be down in Pasadena at the Writers Digest Novel Writing Conference. Yes, I will be. So if you're going to that, come say hello. I'd love to talk to you. Yes, I would. But enough about me. Let's get to our guest, Adam. Caton Holland. Now, he was supposed to be on this show a month ago, but I had to cancel the show because of technical difficulties. But he graciously agreed to come back, and I'm glad he did because this Adam, having Adam on the show combines two of my favorite things, comedy and memoir. He does them both. Adam is a national touring headliner who was named one of 25 comics to watch, uh, watch by Esquire magazine and one of 10 comics to watch by Variety, along with his cohorts. In the Grawlix comedy troupe, Adam created, writes, and stars in True TV's Those Who Can't, in which Adam plays Spanish teacher and bon vivant Lauren Payton. He was also featured, appeared on Conan, The Late Show with James Corden, The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail, Happy Endings, Deadbeat, Flophouse, Hidden America, and At Midnight. But, as I mentioned, he's also an author now of a fabulous, honest, uh, compelling memoir, Tragedy Plus Time. And he's with us today. Adam. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, okay, listen. So here's what happened, Adam. Uh, I decided to put off reading the second half of your memoir until today. And so I've spent oh, really? the entire day reading this. And I'm just a little, uh, I'm a little wiped out right now. Uh, yeah, you're, you're really in it. I am. I kind of wish I was there in Denver with it. I put my arm around you and say, buddy. That's kind of how I feel, but let's well, start here. It, 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 so let me. I was I was going to describe the book to, but I I don't know what you like to sort of give away or not give away in the. So I'll let you describe for our listeners what uh, what tragedies plus time covers, what the memoir covers. Well, I give it away because you know I didn't write this to be sensational or, or lead you to this real like oh my <laughs> right. god moment. That's why I started right. the book with a scene that sort of tells you what happens, but tragedy right. plus time is a memoir about my family and growing up and 
being sensitive and uh, being learning to be a funny person and and uh, kind of getting into stand-up comedy. And it talks a lot about my relationship with my little sister, who she and I formed our senses of humor side by side, and she was involved with my comedy. And it kind of all comes to a head when you know things are going well in my career, and Lydia, my little sister, takes her own life, and and that happens six years ago um mm-hmm. and it's about the fallout of that and trying to navigate life after such a tragedy and right. uh and, and just moving on there's no clean healing or anything in it it's just a very uh honest look at my life and, and what's happened thus far um through the lens of family and comedy and mental health i suppose yeah well it's really well done and uh and I, you know, it's a funny thing. I, I because I only I, I don't do stand up comedy. Although I thought of doing it for a while. I tried sketch. I did mm-hmm. sketch comedy for a while. Um, oh, okay. But writing is my thing. Writing, you know, the the page is sort of my thing. So my question to you is, why did you write it? Because you've got a career. You've got a means of expression. Obviously, it's different than the memoir. But you have an artistic uh-huh. outlet for yourself. And yeah. I know how that works. You know, you can use different outlets for the same means so why write this book you you're a busy guy what <laughs> well, moved you, to, what, you know I, what? I was always a writer first as well i wrote a lot growing up and my first yeah. job when i moved back to denver was for the That's all right. weekly here yeah. um and i kind of started doing that right alongside doing stand-up so i always it took me a long time to say i'm a stand-up i always said i was a writer um Interesting. And, you know, really? I, wait, I, wait, I wait, 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 wait. I'm going to stop you just for a second. Cause it's so interesting because there's a great scene in this book when you do stand up for the very first time. Uh, yeah, yeah. You really, you really capture what it is to sort of fall in love with a experience. And I just thought you sure. did it beautifully. And oh, so, and that hat. So you describe that moment, and 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 in the scene. Adam is, he does stand up at a, at a, just an open mic at this kind of dive bar, but just loves it sort of out of, out of body experience. And so, but even though you so loved it and you want just to keep doing it, you were too shy to say, I'm a stand up. You said, Oh man, I in fact performed in secret for about eight months before I told friends, family, anybody. <laughs> God, I, I was telling everybody. <laughs> I was a, no, I was ashamed of it. It was like a dirty little really? secret. Yeah. It's just like, it felt weird and. I had never been this extrovert, like, get me on the stage. I'm the center of attention. I was always oh. a more quiet writer. Everybody thought I was a funny guy, but I was never, right. I would have never been like class clown. I was, you know, the editor of the newspaper who wrote top 10 lists. Like it was a, right. it was a more sedate right. literary approach to humor that I had um, until right. I got on stage and I was like, get that <laughs> needle back in my vein. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. But... But yeah, so, you know, I didn't tell people I was a stand-up literally until I started having to declare it on my taxes. <laughs> like that's when I started telling people I was a stand-up. Interesting, because I, you know, so, I yeah, writer so, writer first. Writer was a thing. I still write that. Yeah, writer was a thing. So, so the reason I chose this format is is, you know, like I've been doing stand-up for about 8 years at the time of Lydia's death and things were going really well and I stand-up was a fun place for me uh, and Lydia. We, it was just a goofy, you know, fun. I didn't, it wasn't that I shied away from anything heavy. I certainly would go dark with my material, but I didn't feel funny after this happened. And I didn't right. feel like getting on stage. And I honestly wondered if I would do stand-up anymore. Cause it was just sure. like total Life's devastation. And 
yeah, I just right. like, well, I don't feel like pursuing anything joyous because I don't feel any joy. Um, so, but I still had this urge to, to write about it and you just, you know, yeah. process it through my creative output. So I just went back to what I've always been good at or always went to first was just writing it. And I wrote like a kind of really dark blog about everything that I went through. And there just felt like it felt good to kind of get it off my chest that way. And then I just kept yeah. on writing and it led to the book. That's, you know, it's, I, I was thinking about this, uh, is that I was thinking about that the thing about comedy, which is I, I loved doing it. I mean, I only did it for a few years, but I really liked it. I did it's like sketch comedy stuff in Seattle, I just in, in Providence, Rhode Island, believe oh, okay. it. Uh, okay. Back in the eighties. This was a long time ago, but I loved it. I, lo- I did it with my brother actually. But I think the reason I do the kind of stuff I'm doing now is that the thing about comedy is the goal, the, the, the end of every, the punch, there has to be a punchline and it has to be funny. I mean, the destination of every idea has to be funny. And right. sometimes I, I, I want to move people and I want to be honest, but sometimes I'll do that through other means. It won't necessarily just be through humor. And so I like being able to right. go either way. Like when I teach, I like to be funny or not. And so I was wondering when you were writing this memoir, if it was, a relief or strange to not have to be funny every paragraph unless something funny was there. Like it could be more. Oh, sort of it's, it's a total relief. It's a total. Was relief. it like it just, yeah. And, and that was another reason. Well, listen, like I'm, it's not to say that all comedy has to be funny. There's a lot of thoughtful, you know, oh. Maria Banford talks about mental oh, absolutely. illness. Absolutely. I'm not funny, saying it's not it's honest, like, but it right, has to right. have a, right. Right. It, it, but you know what I'm There's a difference between, doing stand-up and doing a one-man show type of thing. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, at, at eight years into the game, I certainly, A, I didn't feel funny, and B, I didn't know if I possessed the skills to just get on stage and process what I was going through right. via the medium of stand-up comedy. And I respected right. Lydia so much and felt so much and thought so much about everything I was going through that I also didn't want to have to, like, filter it to... 10, 20 minutes of 45 minutes. I, I just wanted right. to write it down. I had a lot yeah. to get out and that, yeah. you know, and, and honestly I have a, a reverence for books and a reverence for my little sister. So it felt yeah. like this medium was deserving of her and vice versa. Well, your love for her really comes through. I have to say, and I'm going to tell you, that's not actually easy to do because sometimes when you let your love through, it can actually can be unbelievable because the, you so want to represent them in such a shining light. But I thought you did a nice job of presenting her honestly, but, but allowing me to understand how much you loved her. It's not actually that oh, well, simple thanks. to do. I got to tell you. Yeah. That, so, and that was a bravo. big concern of mine. I, I didn't want it to be cheesy, but I yeah. also felt a big burden. Like this is, she's not around to tell her story and I yeah. am. And I didn't, you know, it was certainly when it came to depictions of her and stuff, I, I didn't want to, you know, get the job done. Okay. I wanted to nail right. it because you, you feel that, you know, you'd be ashamed if you didn't do it as best as you could possibly do it. It's, it's kind of the last will and testament she's got. Yeah. But it's an interesting book because you let yourself tell your story a little bit too. You get into sort of the rise of your career, which kind of overlaps with her because I, I, I don't keep mean to bring my own life up, but there was such weird overlap. My brother and I developed our senses of humor as really nose to nose. He used to put on these puppet shows for me when he was a kid, when he was younger than me, just have me in stitches. And he was really, and he's gone in to do television and stuff. And so, and so 
it, it just reminded me of how what an, you describe how the, your relationship really kind of it was like a little incubator, your relationship with her and you development of your sense of humor there in your little house together and with your older sister, son, but really she seemed like the big one. Yeah. You know, it, it definitely. And like it, even as she was an adult, you know, it wouldn't be five minutes of hanging out before we were just spinning off into some weird absurdity or riff or like, right. we just liked relating that way. And oftentimes it'd feel like you had this inside joke going in the room that everybody else did not, you know? Right. And and you allowed yourself to talk about your own career because this is a this is, you know, I mean, it's mostly about family and uh, and about your relationship to her and dealing with her with her death. But your career plays into that. And uh, did you have to decide about how much of that to put in or just seem like a natural thing to do? Well, you had to decide because I, I appreciate you reading my long, lengthy bio up front, but I'm well aware that some people might know who I am, but the vast majority don't. Right. So right. I don't want to bore people with cumbersome details of mid-2000s Denver open mics, but I did <laughs> want to convey a sense of, like, things were going well for me, and right. I was starting to find my voice a little bit, and yeah. and kind of thinking that I was achieving everything I was reaching for and that that somehow really mattered. And, 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 and the sense of like utter shock and just cold water in your face when everything you've been chasing is right there and suddenly right. real life intervenes and everything right. you're chasing seems so meaningless. So I had to give the reader a sense of that. So they understood the, the shock and the sort of like, whoops, reevaluate everything that, yeah. that I felt. Um, right. So that's kind of why I felt like getting into my career some, you know. No, I think it was – well, it, I I felt it worked, and it seemed like a natural enough thing to do. Um, I, and it's interesting because I, I always felt like comedians – I mean, I watched them like I was learning something. I mean, I was really devoted to stand-ups and to, and to Python. I was a huge Python guy. But Oh, sure, but, yeah. You know, and they – and. And but I always felt like then I started writing memoir. That's kind of what I do, memoir and personal essay. And I always felt like, man, stand ups are certain kinds, not not people like Jerry Seinfeld so much, but like what you do and like you know, like Mark Maron and those people, where they really sure. they're almost like little mini memoirists, you know? I mean they're so drawing on their own life and they're having to turn their life into art. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Do you feel like Especially some overlap to- there? Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm actually working on some essays now and trying to figure out what my next literary effort is but uh-huh. there's a definitely that sense and when you do like a long bit uh yeah. certainly if you're tell- pulling something from childhood and be like so here's a story that happened to me it is right. very similar to a, a memoir or an essay like you say um so yeah you know there's all there's there's one-liner jokes there's short little things there's anecdotes that happen to you in life but when you're kind of getting into like okay so let me tell you the story about my wife and i it feels like right. a memoir you know it it, does there's a lot of overlap there I think so, because, I mean, one of the challenges I teach memoir writing and one of the first things I have to teach my students is like, look, uh, you you have to forget. You have to differentiate between your life and the thing that's on the page because you can't there have to be separate because the thing on the page, even though it's based on your life, is a work of art, ultimately, because your life is way bigger than anything you put on the page. And you have to begin to look at what you're creating as different than what you lived a little bit. Does that make does that make sense? I know it's probably oh, more so oh, definitely. comedy, but even with the no, book definitely. you wrote, 
but they both require a, a huge amount of editing because yeah. you find all of the details endlessly fascinating. But whether you're putting it on the page <laughs> or telling yeah. it as a joke, you, you got to figure out exactly what's essential. And like, yeah. maybe it doesn't matter what type of shoes that guy was wearing, but even if right. you were obsessed with it, you know, it's, it's better. Like, let's, let's figure out what's the best chapter or what's the best way of, of telling the joke. And, and I like with joke telling, certainly you allow yourself creative flourishes and cool turns of phrase yes. and stuff, but, yeah. but you quickly learn what the audience will tolerate and what they won't. So they, <laughs> they help you shape it as much as you do. Oh, it, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they have to, uh, it, but, but then how do you attribute or, or take into account different audiences? You know, in other words, well, that's the trick, man. Like, right. Cause you're like, well, they well, sorry, just go ahead. Like it. I was gonna say, what about the next well, people? Maybe how do you handle that? Yeah. And like, there's smart audiences, there's dumb audiences, there's, you know, a dumb comedy club where they're all eating fried <laughs> chicken wings and like right. you know like jalapeno poppers and drinking beer right. they don't care what's going on stage and then right. there's you know cool brooklyn venues that are like right. Right. cut your wrist and bleed on stage man that's what we want so it's just like you gotta <laughs> you gotta like as you get older and better in comedy you you find you just give them the same thing everywhere but for example if you're talking about this heartbreaking story of suicide you're not just going to trot it out every performance you do. Right. Um, right. You kind of feel them out. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, like I, there's a festival in Edinburgh called the Fringe Festival. Oh, Are you yeah. Familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to go so, there. I was going to go yeah. do it. Have you done it? Yeah. Well, then you, you no, but people are asking me to go do it this year about oh. this. And, really? Yeah. And that's the first time I've been like, okay, because yeah. that's like a more theatrical, intelligent, not just have to rely on joke approach to telling the story, That's much right. like the memoir. Absolutely. So I, I yeah. could have crammed it into all the sets I've been doing for the past six years since Lydia's died. But to right. me, the first time I've even wanted to approach it on stage is when someone's like, well, you should do it at Edinburgh. And I was like, yeah, I agree. That would be a good place to so, do it from what yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I, so, yeah, exactly. It's just to me that seems like it has the gravitas and the pathos that I would like to approach it with, rather than just forcing it down the throat of an audience that might not suspect this guy's going to tear his heart out on stage. Yeah, you'd have to be really. You'd have to handle it. With, you'd have to have such a deft touch to keep it light without feeling like you're selling your sister upstream for a joke. You know, that would be the. That it, would be it, my. It, Right. Totally. And what a prison that would be if you're like oh. just telling kind of hacky suicide jokes oh, so you can oh, like tick, tick the box of being authentic on stage. And it yeah. doesn't, doesn't really uh, intrigue me. <laughs> no, no. Oh, but, it can, but it can be done, I think. Because and it can be done excellently. Yeah, it can. It can. I've seen it. I mean, I've, I feel like I've, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I feel like I've watched comedians deal with some really tough subject matter but they have they've gotten perspective on it so it's not killing them anymore you know what it is right Tig, Tig Notaro, right? maria banford yeah. to maron's right. a great example um, yeah he is you did his but, podcast you know, the, yeah i did do his podcast yeah that, was that fun what was that like sure I, yeah i'm a comedy nerd and i've listened <laughs> to wtf a bunch and yeah. it was surreal to sit opposite Marin and have him be like yeah. so who are you guys and he's like are we <laughs> 
He's like, did we, we, we're cool, right? We didn't have any beef. And I'm like, dude, I don't have any beef with you. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't know if he so, pissed you off at some point. Right. So just the kind of would have become the cliche Marin questions to be being asked those questions was great. But, but then he was such a great interviewer and like really yeah. just a, he's a really, guy's got a big heart and, and it was a nice interview. That seems, oh, now I have to listen. I didn't listen to it because I thought, well, I'm going to interview him. I don't want to listen to it first. So now maybe now I'll go and listen to it. But, of course. All right, so, I'd be the same way. But so you, you, um, you, uh, so you, you think it can be done. You have seen examples of people handling some tough stuff, but, but being able to be true to it, but being funny at the same time. You think you might be able to do that, maybe, but you want to try I do, and, I, and I, this is like really, you know, inside baseball, but I feel like, I'm now getting to the level of comic where I can approach it well. And I also feel like I'm now getting to the level of comic where people are coming to see me, which makes a huge difference. Uh, If people are coming to see the vague concept of stand-up comedy and you're like, well, my little sister killed herself six years ago. I'd like to talk to you about it. They're like, I don't want this. But if people are coming to see Adam Caton Holland, then they know that I'm going to probably approach stuff like that or they've read the book. So there's a real freedom of like having a little bit of, fan base that is that wants that knows what they're getting into um, you, i'm constantly you, stunned with sorry sorry go ahead no i was going to say like the fan i've thought about the fan base thing and it's a big cross must be a big crossover because i mean this is the closest i've come is when i teach because i teach to sometimes bigger groups of people and if they know who i am there's one there's one experience but if they don't they just know the name of the class the workshop i'm teaching it's a different one and it seems to me when you come to a room that all that ba- that most of them know who you are, there must be a friendliness you get right out of the gate that isn't there at just a, 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 a you know any venue. Is that true? It's a hun- that's a hundred percent right. And I'm just yeah. starting now, fourteen years into the game, to get that. Oh um, man, it's it's so much nice, you know. And so, but most of the time, you're going up there, and people's right. perception is like, "Who's this guy? We'll see if right. he's funny." Right. And, yeah. and so you really got to go in with that. You got to like grab them by the throat immediately with a couple of zingers and then they're on your side. So it's hard God. to navigate this territory we're talking about in that climate. Yeah. No, you really, well, I don't want to say you couldn't do it. I think anything's possible, but I think it's, it would be a very difficult, that'd be a tough, tough uh, challenge to put before yourself. And, well, and so again, I didn't want to take Lydia to that place. Right. Lydia is not there as a trick for me to pull out in the Des Moines funny bone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Lydia, if I'm going to talk about her, this was going to be a thoughtful, lengthy experience. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but I thought of this with you. Is Did you talk to your family about this before you wrote it? I did. And I gave it to them before I turned it into my publisher. Um, and it's obviously hard. Uh, yeah, but they gave me their blessing, and nice. I said, you know, if you want anything changed, let me know. It's gone. Last thing I want to do is try to hurt our family worse. And they didn't really have right. much. They they corrected some memories, added some details, but they said go <laughs> with it. <laughs> corrected some memories. You know what's funny about that? Because I my live off of memory now. It seems like, and I've just given up the fact that I remember anything accurately. Because I just exactly. I, I, I just I think for, I don't even care. I mean, I kind of care, but yeah. mostly I'm. You know, I'm just trying to share something meaningful with my readers, something that I hope they'll value. And totally. I don't even know if it's true or not. I can't, you know, because they might have remembered differently than you. Who's to say who was right? Right. And, you know, but I creative license and all of that. But it was nice yeah, to yeah. have my sister be like, 
but actually this this was different and i was like oh and then she gets she yeah. helps paint the picture a little fuller that's good that's good and so uh what did you learn so I, I like this is true it seems to me of a lot of memoirists which is you go in with your ideas about the experiences and then you write it and I always learn something new when I wrote write about something for the first time even if I've told it yeah. to friends or thought about it so did anything new come out in, in the writing of this oh tons of new stuff came out of the writing yeah. in this like um, what? well you know the, I was truthfully I know it sounds cliche but I was writing this to like process a lot of this sure. and so a lot of the thoughts and stuff that I was having I was having for the first time as I was writing them and you know like my and I, I really tried to convey that this is not a clean process and you'll think one thing one day and one thing the next yeah. day and that's okay and grief is messy right. but you know I kind of got to this place of understanding of what why she did what she had to do that I didn't yeah. expect to get to and I kind of got to a place of seeing her desperation in the corner that she felt she was painted into and how mental illness kind of made her think that was the only way out. I just got to understand it in a much better way than I had through this process, which was very nice because it just makes you not feel angry or guilty. You just feel sad that it got there right. for her. Um, right. But it, it helped me kind of get there and sort of leave it there. Because what else, yeah. how much more do you want to beat yourself up and try to think about this from new angles? You know, Empathy it, and sadness is where I've landed. Yeah. Well, and, the, and to me, the beauty of, me, of memoir is to look at your life and because usually, usually you write about the most difficult moment in your life. That's what, you know, if you're not a celebrity who's writing an autobiography. Like I read John right. Cleese's autobiography and that's different. That was just stories from his life. If you're not a someone who's going to buy your book just because they know who you are. And that's probably not where you are at this point. It's the story no. that they're going to want to read. Right. And, and so you have to tell the story differently. You're going to tell the story of the worst part of your life. And the challenge is to, because when the thing happens, it just screws you up and it knocks you down and you, and you don't want to think about it. And you just wish you could take a pill and be over with it. And the job of the memoir is to look at it differently, see it differently so that it isn't, a, 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 a thorn in your heart anymore, even though you're sad, but you, you have to see it differently in some way to, to tell the story. I think, I don't know how you tell the story if you just leave it where it was at the moment it happened, even though you just, does yeah, that make sense? I think that's, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's really true. It, that's well put. Like for me, it was something I was thinking about all the time anyway, um, yeah. from different angles, as you say. So for, it wasn't that hard to sit down and try to tell a story about it. Cause I, you know, it's like, I don't know. I felt like Al Swearingen on Deadwood. I, I thought the, I thought it through from every angle. <laughs> right. I'd seen every right. side of the story, so it yeah. wasn't wasn't hard to just sit down and tell one. If you if you so you were, I, I watched a little little bit you did on Conan where you're talking about teaching a stand up class. Very funny bit, by the way. Good job. Oh, thanks. Uh, but but so if you were teaching a memoir class, if someone said, "Oh, this is great, Adam, come teach a memoir class." What is someone? What's advice you would give to someone who's going to sit down and write their first memoir, having done one oh, now man. yourself? I got no. That's that's your territory. I got no. <laughs> you got advice. nothing, really? No. I mean, I, I have some practical discipline of writing things, but in terms right. of how to tackle a memoir, nah. I, I just <laughs> I just belched it out and then got a good editor. <laughs> yeah. How was working with an editor? Because that's different than working with 
doing, you know, create, working creatively on television, I know is one kind of thing, but working with an editor is a very specific kind of thing. How did you enjoy that or not enjoy that? Um, I enjoyed it a lot actually. Cause I, you know, I had had newspaper experience. So, and I'm glad. Oh, that right, right, right. Oh, that's because, right. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I remember going in as a, in my newspaper job and being all outraged that someone would edit my work. And then my <laughs> editor being like, is this the hill you want to die on? And I was like, no, okay. Right. And I'd slink back to my cubicle. But, uh, yeah having the experience of, of having someone edit my work and make it better in my early twenties gave me a very healthy respect for uh, my editor this go round. Yeah. And have so you I, been going, I value a good editor. Good. Look, that's a good, that's a good attitude to have. If you want to keep not, if you want to do writing as well, editors are a good one is excellent. There's no, yeah, they're on not. your side. They're going to help you make your stuff better. They are. And and so the book's out, and it's been out for a couple months. Uh, have you done some book tour type things where you go around and talk to the peoples about it? Has that happened? Yes, uh, I've done some. I've done a couple events in a bunch in Colorado, one in L.A. One in, I went to Kenyon College and read at the Kenyon Review, and that was oh, fun. Oh, cool, cool. Um, and then I went to a, a event in Minneapolis. A lot of like mental health organizations are reaching out. Oh. Um, oh, all right. Which is great, which is great, but it's not anything that I, I didn't mean to become a face of a cause. Right. But I think I right. have. <laughs> oh boy. Well, yeah. You know what you'll do? You'll start figuring out what you want to say about it. You know, it's you'll just have to figure it out on the fly, kind of, won't you? I I already am, and it's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking? What I'm learning is that it's helpful to talk about, and it's okay to talk about, and it's a pervasive issue. And it's not something yeah. we need to whisper about or feel ashamed of. That's right. Well, comics are perfect for that. The comic wants to stand up there and say the stuff that people don't want to say in public, but the comic wants to say it. And I know it's weird preparation, but I do think sometimes I think in moments of crisis, comedians are some of the most articulate people. Like after 9-11, I thought the, the guys who were doing late night were some of the most articulate about it. I really do. I think they have an ability to speak exactly what right. no one else wants to say. You know? Yeah. I mean, John Stewart was a lot of people's therapy yeah. for many years. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And I thought, yeah, I thought that, 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 that um, David Letterman was great about it. So I just think that, that it's that to some degree you, you've probably equipped yourself uh, unknowingly to be able to talk about these things. And so well, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I'm already talking to a lot of people after shows and stuff about it. And it's, it feels good. It's, a big part of this whole experience has been the normalization of what I went through for myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of tired of, do people know this about me? Do people whisper this about me? Is the, and I was right. just like, yeah, here it is. It just felt, it yeah. felt like I've kind of kicked down the door of like a big part of my life and put it out there. And that, there's a, a real freedom in that. Great. Well, listen, uh, well, actually, I got one more question for you. I like to ask all my writers before I ask it. So if people want to learn about you, this guy's awesome. He's, he's on the internet, people. You can just find him there. But if they specifically <laughs> want to get to you, what's the fastest means to find Adam? I would say Adam Caton Holland, C-A-Y-T-O-N, Holland, yeah. like the country. No com. L. No L. No L. Not Adam Clayton, Adam Caton. Right. Uh, Caton Holland on Twitter. No, I'm out there, folks. If you just Google me, you'll, you'll find me right away. Yeah, he's right there. Okay. So, and, and if they want to come see you, I assume you have all your tour dates and stuff like that up there. I do. They're all on my, uh, my website. I've got, I got okay. a baby coming in a month, so I'm slowing down uh, oh, the rest of the year. Congratulations. First, but, uh, first baby, but second baby? First baby. Wow. Yeah. Well, well parenting is one of the things I write about. So good luck. You'll do great. <laughs> I'm sure. You. 
Um, okay. So if writing, finish this sentence. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Hmm. If writing has taught me anything, it's taught me it's okay to tell everybody. Oh, I like it. That Hey, Adam, I've, been, I've asked that question about a thousand times. That's the first answer I've gotten. That's the first time that's been the answer. So that's pretty cool. Hey, I don't know if that's great or awful, but I'll take it. <laughs> no, it's great. Adam, I like you. If, I, if you keep writing stuff, I would love to have you back on the show. So if you, start, you have a collection of essays or something, I want you back. Pretty awesome well, guy. that's really cool. I would love to come back. Thanks for taking the time. If you're very welcome, good luck with the uh, good luck with the book and all your endeavors. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, take it easy. All right, have a good one. Well, there it is, people. Tell everybody it's true. Just tell them all. It's okay. Just tell them all. I want to thank uh, I want to thank my producer R.J. Jeffries. Thank you. You're awesome. Hope you're feeling a little better. I'll be back next week with the literary agent Jeff Herman. We're going to be talking about literary agent stuff. In the meantime, go do something you love. Do something you love. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.